Welcome to the Wheel of Sport, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally and with me is... It's Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery. Hi Ian, hi listener. Hi Matt, let's get the wheel spinning. Off she goes. Matt, I've been digging holes in the garden today. I'm so looking forward to this episode. (laughs) Brilliant. I feel feel like I'm part of uh, the New Deal in 1930s America. It's just been... I don't even know why I'm digging the holes, but the topic for this episode is... Ian, this week we've got a one of a kind. One of a kind. Um, One of a kind. Yeah, I'm going to take this one on, Ian, and... uh... Yeah, I'm, I want to talk about a one-of-a-kind footballer who probably had the biggest impact on European, arguably world football. So we're talking about somebody bigger than Johan Cruyff, bigger than Alex Ferguson, bigger than David Beckham or Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo. Somebody who's so significant, um, they never Pelé. even... Pele, <laughs> bigger than Pele. <laughs> I'm trying to think of somebody who is bigger than all of these big people, and we're talking about as as it's known in Australia, the round ball game, soccer ball. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> now I'll give. Well, I can give you a clue. This this uh, this footballer. He never played in one of the top European divisions. He never won any major trophies. Hold on, you've taken us on a roller coaster here, Matt. You've built him up to be bigger than Pele, <laughs> Messi. Ronaldo, and now you're saying he didn't win any trophies, <laughs> didn't even play at a top level. Well, no, but he did win one thing, and that was off the pitch. He won a court case. Um, I'm talking about John Mark Bosman. Oh, Bosman. Wow, Bosman. Everybody knows the Bosman rule, or the Bosman ruling, but probably not a lot of people know who he is or what it's all about. I think for years, Matt, I actually thought his name was Bosman ruling. <laughs> <laughs> because I, it was only like you know, in like when you would read in a Guardian or something, or like four four two magazine, it would say Jean Marc Bosman, and it's yeah. like, oh, has he changed his name? <laughs> I didn't. I, I think when I first heard of it, the Bosman ruling, I didn't realize it was a man. I didn't realize it was a footballer. I thought it was, I don't know, like an obscure place where a treaty was signed or something. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so Jean Marc Bosman basically he he was born in uh, 1964. He was a Belgian professional footballer. Uh, he played as a midfielder. And just to give you sort of a bit of a background of his career, I mean, as I say, he didn't play at a top level. He did uh, get 20 caps for Belgium at a youth level, and even captained their under 21 side. Um, he played for a Belgian first division team called Standard Liège. Um, and also then moved to RFC Liège. So he joined Standard Liège in 83 and moved to RFC Liège in 88. To to sort of understand, we need to go back a little bit and just sort of, I'm just going to sort of explain the scenario or the the circumstances of football back then because before 1995, the football landscape in Europe is, it's just incomparable to how it is today. Totally different area. Like the Premier League's obviously just been founded. TV subscriptions haven't really, you know, taken off in the same way. It hasn't got that global reach. Um, you know, throughout the 80s, football is, you know, just totally tainted by hooliganism and violence, people being killed in crowd uh, presses and, and all of these terrible things. Football was totally blighted. And it certainly wasn't the polished pod product you know, that you see on your TVs today. I suppose just add, adding to that as well, Matt, is it, it is, you, you paint that picture really well. 
it's important to note as well that uh, soccer, not just, I mean, England, English soccer does get that reputation, but around Europe, it was a real ragtag kind of band of people who ran football clubs and the stadiums were often really decrepit yeah, and falling, falling apart. Yeah. And the safety of fans, the policing of games, the organisation of even major tournaments was amateur hour, to put it politely. Uh, it really was a different, you know, we're talking a different world here, aren't we? Completely different. And you know even to the point where there's some uh you know probably criminal elements and things as well involved in football clubs mm-hmm. money laundering opportunities it was a real uh and arguably still is Matt. i was gonna say uh, some, some things never change <laughs> you know no. it does attract the wrong sort so i imagine being a professional football player back then certainly wasn't glamorous and certainly in the second or third divisions uh you could probably earn more money being a plumber or electrician i imagine yeah well well that that's that was the case and probably still is the case in some countries and within subdivisions i guess two of the most big differences back then was there would be a quota on the number of foreign players that you could play domestically or in in a european competition so there was a famous incident actually in 1994 where Alex Ferguson replaced Peter Schmeichel, the goalkeeper, because he didn't have enough domestic players. There was too many foreigners, so he had to swap Peter Schmeichel for Gary Walsh, and they lost four 0 to Barcelona. Um, Is that because Peter Schmeichel counts as two because <laughs> he's so big? <laughs> no, <laughs> surprisingly like, not, Peter. Look, you count as two foreign players because you're absolutely massive. You've got the you've got the, the wingspan of an aeroplane. Yeah, I mean that that is definitely true. Um, no, the other the other big thing is before the Bosman ruling, and this is just so hard to understand, is that a, when a player's contract uh, finished, they weren't allowed to leave without the club. Uh, agreeing to let them leave or being bought from the buying club so what did that mean from a a player's point of view so i sign for standard liege for example on a three-year contract yeah i play for three years the contract finishes after three years and then surely i can just go wherever i want well well it was well well, that's so he was with rfc liege um and his contract was a two-year deal and it finished so he said, right, well, it's not really working out here, so I'm, I'd like to go to France. So he's going to leave Belgium. He's 25 years old, obviously, basically probably at the peak of his powers as a midfielder. Uh, we're about to come into them. And he wants to join Dunkirk in France. But he can't leave unless Dunkirk and Liège, RFC Liège, agree a fee. Now, Liège say, we think his value is about 500000 and you're going to need to pay that all up front. But Dunkirk don't agree that that's uh, the player's value. They don't agree Bosman's worth 500000 So when they refuse to agree the transfer, um, Bosman's stuck. So as, as he put it in his own words, I was at the end of my contract with Liège. They offered me a new contract worth four times less than the previous one. And to sell me to Dunkirk, they were demanding four times the price at which times at which they had bought me. So in other words, they thought that had I become four times better if I wanted to leave, 
and four times worse if I wanted to stay. He's, he's now in a position where his salary is being... They're, they're saying we're going to pay you 75% less or... So his wages were going to go down to £500 a month. Not a lot of money. Or alternatively, Dunker can stump up a lot of money, which obviously wasn't worth. Bosman felt this was un, unfair. Um, so he's decided to take his, his fight with his lawyers, Luc Michon and Jean-Louis Dupont, to the European Court of Justice. And he's suing the Belgian FA, RFC Liège and UEFA. Um, and he's citing the 1957 Treaty of Rome, which guarantees the freedom of movement. So I'm not going to... Hold spe- on, that, that just escalated so quickly, Matt. Yeah, but it's-, it's like he was just going to move to Dunkirk. He's had a chat with both clubs. It's like, oh, come on, lads, can you just co- come to a bit of an agreement here? And then the next day he's got in with a law, t- law team... Well, he's gone. Right, we're going to. The, uh, presumably, there was a bit of to and fro, and he just got to a dead end. And then maybe some lawyers said, "Well, maybe you could actually use this challenge." Yeah, because definitely. Because it just seems like it escalated so quickly. But I think when he when it started, you know, he was using obviously the European Treaty of Rome there to, you know, to, he he he's a free person. He should be allowed to to you know go and work for whomever he wants, like in any other profession. And obviously, as we know now, that's what he would be allowed to do. The idea that he can't just quit his job and go and get another job is it's absolutely crazy. So he sued them. But when he started this this court case, he didn't think it was going to have the significance that it did. You know, he was he was worried about his right to to leave his job. But as soon as he start, as soon as he sued his his club Liège. They suspended him. He was also banned by the Belgian Federation for not signing Liège's cut-price deal. All of the other clubs wouldn't touch him because they were then worried about being dragged into this and into the legal battle. So he's 25 years old uh, when the case begins. It keeps getting moved up the courts. So it doesn't end up finishing until, well, as I say, it reaches the European Court of Justice in 1995. By then, he's 31. His career is over. And his uh, opportunity to actually be a footballer has evaporated through this, these protracted legal wranglings and disputes. So did he not play a a game professionally from 25 to 31? He did get a few um, brief spells at Saint-Quentin and Saint-Denis in France, which are like lower league clubs. Um, And he also played, uh, I think, briefly on an Indian island. Uh, I, don't, I don't have the name of it. But basically, yeah, his career was over. So the significance to him is almost irrelevant because whilst he now has the right to go and play wherever he wants, unfortunately, he's now 31 years old. He hasn't played in six years, so there's not really any employment available for him. So the significance of the case isn't really for him. It's actually for everybody else because as a result of, of this... The Bosman ruling, as it, as it became known, allows a player to leave a club on a free transfer as soon as his contract expires, which means all of a sudden they have the leverage to demand huge signing on fees and salaries from the new clubs to sort of cover that absent transfer fee. So whereas before, you know, a buying club would pay a fee to the selling club to acquire the, the player... Um, now they didn't have to pay the club, so instead that money was going to the players. 
So players who are coming to the end of their contract also can ask their current clubs for more money because the threat otherwise is they're going to lose their asset for nothing. I mean, that's that's obviously where we are now. That's that's familiar. But prior to 1995 and the Bosman ruling, this didn't exist. It was it was completely different. And I suppose just from a, you know, you gave an example there about a player can kind of run down a contract and then in in lieu of a sign non fee uh, that the, cl- the buying club doesn't have to pay, they, they can have a big windfall. But even at the, probably at the, the significance as well is the majority of players play lower league professionally that they can just move clubs you know they can go from Tramia Rovers to Accrington Stanley without let or hindrance you know that they can actually just move whereas previously from what you're saying that they couldn't do that league like legally and that they were going to be maligned by their own football federation or association because they just wanted to move clubs i suppose that that's probably where a lot of the movement would have would have benefited it's just people moving in in lower leagues yeah yeah i mean you're right but the reach and the consequences are so large because it changes everything so because the players the european courts have sided with the players basically so the player can now use the eu law against a sporting institution that changes everything but it also means that now a player their contract their being out of contract becomes financially untenable. You know, it's it's very difficult. So you become more precarious. So now, if you, as you say, are playing for Tranmere and you've got six months left on your contract and maybe you get a knee injury or, you know, then when that six months is up, you're just unemployed and nobody else is going to sign, you know, an, uh, an injured player and give them a new contract. So now it's actually for the for the lower level players... It's, it's, it's probably quite precarious. The, the impact it's had is it's sort of on everything. I mean, because players have the freedom to move, and you see this sort of frequently now, and, and it wasn't always the case back then, smaller clubs could win something. You know, so, for example, Ajax won the European Cup, probably the biggest club in Holland, but certainly not the biggest club in Europe, but they won the European competition. But unfortunately... As soon as they won it, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Chelsea, all just started saying to the players, don't sign a new contract and we'll take you. We'll give you more money. So Ajax is basically stripped for parts in you know, 1994. And, and that's what you've seen. There's probably now, what, 25 clubs, maybe at the top end, who can just bully everybody else. Because as soon as a, a player a team has one good player then you know the player knows that so long as they can stay injury free they can move up and up and up and up so so sort of lower levels it you know that gap between the the super rich and everybody else has has broadened massively as a result of of the bosman ruling because lower level teams find it very difficult to keep squads together because players will say no you know what i don't want to stay here i want to move on to to the top clubs you know the super clubs and I suppose it does also lead to uh, unusually long contracts as well for those really high value players perhaps that clubs want to sign them on a six or seven year deal um, purely to avoid this scenario um, I think that we've seen that with Harry Kane uh, at the time of recording like he was signed on a I think six year contract because you're trying to protect your assets mm-hmm. and also you're, you're trying to command a bigger fee as possible. 
Well, that's it, because basically, once a player now nowadays has six months or less remaining on their contract, they can then start speaking to other, other clubs uh, and, and sort of agreeing a pre-contract elsewhere. So, you know, from the, the selling club or the current employer's point of view, they, you can't let a player, an asset, get into their last six months of the contract because then, you, you know, they can just walk away for, for absolutely nothing. So, as you say, instead you give them a longer contract and hope if they are going to leave, you're getting a big fee for it uh, in terms of a sale. So, this player, Jean-Marc Bosman, he's a fairly uh, standard player playing for fairly standard Standardly clubs. Age, yeah. Um, and, well, it was, um, was RFC Liège, to be fair, where, the, where all the trouble was, but yes. Okay, RFC Liège. Um, he became a household name around that Bosman ruling is so famous everybody's heard of it perhaps it's one of those things which is kind of a sweet spot for the wheel of sports is that everybody's heard of it they know vaguely what it is but actually when you drill into the detail about it it's it's quite enlightening and what happened to john mark bosman he obviously he got to 31 he's still he's just fought this uh court case but it's had a massive uh legal precedence uh in european law it's affected every major league in, you know, these are the biggest, richest leagues in the world. Surely, what, what happens to John Mark Bosman? Is he being carried around in a sedan chair by the richest players in the world? Are there, is there some sort of John Mark Bosman foundation, you know, for just for just £2 a month you can... Yeah, well, funnily <laughs> enough, there's not, uh, or maybe not funnily enough. So, despite his legal victory, Bosman faces significant financial and personal difficulties following the trial so in a 2011 interview he claims that the compensation he earned from FIFA Pro were basically all spent on legal fees so ultimately he was left bankrupt um during this his marriage also ended some of it i mean he, he, it's a sad story like he struggles to find work after the ruling he ends up living on welfare as a result of his financial difficulties um he claims he's ostracized by the world of football he falls into depression, he struggles with alcoholism, his career fizzles out, as I said, his colleagues have disowned him. He ends up being convicted of assaulting his girlfriend and a teenage daughter, uh, which he explained as sort of, well, I mean, it's unacceptable, but basically all this is all happening due to the, the alcohol, which was a cause of sort of his financial woes. And yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's it's he's just basically like nowhere now. I mean, some of his money was lost in a in a bad investment uh, with a special T-shirt line. Um, somebody had suggested to him that the players who benefited from the Bosman ruling would support him by by wearing one of his T-shirts that had "Who's the Boz" written on it. Um, <laughs> but but he only sold one T-shirt to the son of his lawyer. He also hoped to have a testimonial match, which fell through. Um, and then eventually did get a game against Lille. Um, only 2,000 spectators turned up. So, yeah, he was forced to sell his car, sell his house. As I say, he ends up living on welfare. Like, he's, he's pretty much nowhere. I mean, and a lot of you know modern footballers probably don't know who he is. They don't necessarily know his story. Some do. So he, can, he still, he, can, he, can, he does get some financial support from the players' union. In fact, a player called Rabiot, um, who's quite a high-profile footballer, sort of recently um, made a significant contribution of like £12,000 to him um, to help help support him because Rabiot had benefited, uh, I think, to the tune of hundreds of thousands. 
um, because of the Bosman ruling. So I guess there is still some support from certain members of the football community, but I think by and large, you know, he's not somebody people really, really want too much to do with, just because it's probably just so incredibly awkward. You know, this guy fought the battle, but probably didn't win it. Well, let's say credit. First off, that's a really sad decline of a, of a man. Let's say credit to John Mark Bosman for fighting his corner and wanting to move clubs. And although he didn't set out to, clearly he was determined and dogged enough to take this right to the highest court and to fight this, which ended up on being on behalf of all f- professional football players in Europe, but something that a legacy that lasts till today, it's incredibly sad to hear, you know, his marriage broke up and his uh, addiction problems. I, I kind of did think when you said his wife left him, I kind of did think, do you imagine the divorce lawyer when Jean-Marc Bosman walks in on the other side? It's like, are you going to let her leave on a free transfer here, mate? Or <laughs> what is going on? His heart would have sank. Oh, I yeah. mean, um, she's out of contract. <laughs> <She's> got... <laughs> Till death do us part. Yeah. Um, it's really sad that, you know, I suppose somebody who's a household name, you kind of just assume that they would be doing okay for themselves. And it's clearly not the case. Um, no. And hasn't it this been brought into question as well by the by the whole Brexit vote of whether there is you know whether Britain can bring in uh, some sort of uh, ruling that will override Bosman or yeah. who knows what will happen there's, in that respect? But there's obviously yeah because you know leaving the European courts it does it will affect things. The Premier League being probably arguably the biggest league, certainly one of the most lucrative in the world. Yeah, who knows how that's gonna going to pan out and I'm sure it'll be some sort of fought in the courts for for at least <laughs> six to ten years as well no doubt um but yeah I mean look it was sad sad for Bosman that he's uh you know sort of he his, his life you know was just dedicated to this battle to which he you know didn't do well out of as I say it actually bankrupt him but certainly others others around Europe did do well I already mentioned um uh, Ajax, Edgar Davids was one of those players. So he was one of the first high-profile players to move when he moved to Milan. The first UK uh, Bosman transfer was uh, an ex-Hibernian player called Paul Kane, who moved from Aberdeen to uh, a Norwegian side called Viking Stravanger in '96. But probably the first really, really lucrative one uh, was in 1999 when Steve McManaman left Liverpool to join Real Madrid. And he was quite famously the highest British player in history uh, because he basically negotiated at the time the highest uh, paid in, in, in British history because he basically negotiated with Real Madrid well all that money you should have paid Liverpool for me just pay me and I'll just have it um, so he got paid millions in as a signing on fee so yeah I, the other thing to mention is it's not just about players leaving at the end of their contract and having that freedom to move as I said there's also the foreign ruling um which now does doesn't exist obviously teams can can field uh sorry teams can field just overseas players these days um the first time that happened in the Premier League was on Boxing Day in 1999 uh, when Gianluca Vialli's Chelsea side uh, fielded a foreign 11 uh, when they beat Southampton 
And since then, or since since the Bosman ruling, actually, no Premier League team has since started a match with 11 Englishmen on the pitch. It just, it hasn't happened. So it really does sort of show how much the, the freedom of movement and, and Europeans coming to, to the UK to play, you know, has it's, it's impacted things. And obviously is why, I think a big reason why the European leagues and why the Premier League specifically is so popular because uh, all the best players get to play in it, right? Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, you know, Brexit will stop all those immigrants coming over, stealing <laughs> British players' jobs. <laughs> and and we'll be left watching, uh, you know, second-rate football, uh, you know, in the English Premier League. Uh, yeah, that is so significant, isn't it? Because you think of those modern leagues would be nothing if it wasn't for immigration and and players being able to move between those european clubs i mean you think of the take out the uh the so-called foreign players out of the english premier league and over the years mm. uh, it'd be very interesting if you made a list of the top 20 best players ever in the premier league it, you'd be hard pushed not to uh have most of it filled with uh imports so mm, definitely my goodness, John Mark Bosman, what a story, Matt. What a story. If you want to get in touch with us at The Wheel of Sport, please get in touch via email, thewheelofsport at gmail.com or through social media on Twitter or Instagram at The Wheel of Sport. And we'll catch you next time for one of the greatest sports stories ever told. Thanks so much, Matt. Oh, thanks so much, Ian. I'm off on a free transfer. <laughs> I'm off to dig more holes. <laughs> Cheers.